for joining me on episode 71 of the Unique on a Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Jenneman, just a regular gal, trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And today, Britt Jacobson from Freedom Summit Adventures has worked tirelessly for almost a decade rescuing women who are being exploited through sex trafficking. She shares with us stories from girls inside the strip clubs and how her ministry is bringing healing through God's creation. Welcome back to the Unique on a Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. And today I have Britt Jacobson with me who knows all about helping people get to victory. Britt, thanks for being here yeah, today. Thank you for having you, me. And you brought your assistant. Like you I seem did. so cool. Oh. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I, know. I brought Shayla. my assistant Shayla to the interview. <laughs> I did, yeah. I so mean, Shayla, thanks for being here as well. Yeah, thanks for having us. But Britt, you are a wife, a mom, a pastor's wife. You're an entrepreneur. You are the lover of the great outdoors. And on Unique on Purpose, we really like to talk about victories, of course, but also how we as individuals are uniquely created. And the fact that we all have passions, we all have talents that God has given us, but then God has also given us a mission and we have to pool the three together in order to live out the purpose that God has for us. And the more we get to know God, the more we get to know the way he uniquely created us. And I really want to talk about how he's uniquely created you because you have taken what you're passionate about, what you're good at, what your mission is. You've married the three together to what you are doing today. So I'm going to stop talking (laughs) and I want to hear more about about who Britt Jacobson is. Cool. So go for it. Who are you? (laughs) Well, yeah. So I am. I'm a pastor's wife. Let's be real. You and your husband pastor. Like, (laughs) (laughs) pastor's wife are pastors too. (laughs) At uh, Crossroads Bible Church in uh, Grand Rapids. And so we adopted our daughter out of foster care two and a half years ago. She's been with us for four years in March. It'll be four years since she joined us. She is 11. And so we stay pretty busy with... Mm -hmm. All the things. So how um, old was she when you adopted her? Do the math right. Yeah. So she was nine when mm-hmm. we adopted her. Um, seven when she came to us. Okay. So I um, grew up in a Christian home. Didn't really get super involved in anything church related until middle school. I was actually a Navy brat. My um, mom's kind of a local celebrity, you know, in Traverse City. Anita Vanderzeel. Shout out. She's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, my dad was in the Navy for 26 years, so I was born in Virginia and mm-hmm. then um, ended up in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, my dad served uh, embassy duty there at the U.S. Embassy and then went to Seattle area for my middle school years. And that's where we found a church that was pretty foundational in, I think, my growth overall. Got baptized there. Um, my two best friends were the assistant pastor's daughter and the pastor's daughter. We were all the same age, so that was fun. Probably had too much fun, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So I uh, really just grew in my faith there. Had an awesome youth leader that taught biblical truth, and that was the first time I had really ever tried to understand who God was for myself. Mm-hmm. And then my dad retired as a senior chief, and then we moved to Traverse City, and that's where I finished high school. And so he's a park ranger at Sleeping Bear Dunes now. Oh, nice! And so. Um, Love so outdoors has been really yeah. a part of your whole life. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. Seattle, you're yeah. right by Olympic National Park. You're right by Mount Rainier. Yeah, totally. Oh. Yeah, went to both. Uh-huh. Um, loved it. And then in Ottawa, like they freeze the Redo Canal, learned how to ice skate, you know. And so, yeah, just 
I think having parents that valued the outdoors was huge. Mm -hmm. Grew up kayaking and hiking and all the things and just loved it. Mm -hmm. Started snowboarding when I was 14 with my dad. Yeah, just outdoors were really foundational too. Got here uh, in Travers and then went to Westside. Really grew my faith there too. Got less involved with youth group there, but joined the worship team. Mm -hmm. And that's where I met my husband actually. And so I think that season of life was really critical for me too. But I think all along I was a public school kid, K through 12, understood what it meant to kind of like share Jesus with friends that didn't necessarily understand who he was. And Went to Cornerstone University after that. And that was my first experience with like the Christian bubble, which rocked me significantly. I'm not going to lie. (laughs) Um, I think in my head I was like, oh, this is going to be such a great time of growth. And really it just became a time of like, why do I believe this apart from my parents, you know, for the first time in my Mm -hmm. life. And it was just super foundational. Uh, It was a great time of learning, being forced to take Old Testament and New Testament classes and wrestle with some of these bigger theological issues that I had never come face to face with before. It was good. And so it grew me in a lot of ways. But it was at Cornerstone that we eventually we had like this human trafficking conference that everybody was going to in Chicago. And uh, I had no idea what human trafficking was before walking into college. Like I just it wasn't hot topic necessarily, like Mm -hmm. maybe 10 12 years ago. So I was just kind of learning. It was a it was a pretty good learning experience for me, but went to Chicago, met a woman who was from Grand Rapids who did strip club outreach. The issue just totally broke my heart for uh, just women who have experienced, you know, some level of manipulation mm-hmm. in that way. And so met this woman. She was like, hey, when you're back in Grand Rapids, come join us on strip club outreach. And I was like, sure. Yeah, I'm 19 <laughs> years old. I definitely need to be going into strip clubs. That sounds like the trajectory. This little Christian girl going into strip clubs. <laughs> exactly. like, wow. Yeah. People would pay to see that. Oh, brother. Yes. So got back to Grand Rapids, quickly found out I wasn't actually old enough to get into Grand Rapids strip clubs because you have to be 21. Oh. Um, so just started praying about like where what my role in all of this was and like Lord, I felt like you broke my heart for this issue, but like, where do I go from here? Their biggest issue was getting into the clubs. So being turned away by bouncers or the managers didn't like them very much and all this other stuff. And so I (laughs) use this a little bit lightly, but I do feel like I felt like God was telling me to um, bake cupcakes. Like that was what I felt (laughs) needed to be done. Okay. (laughs) And it turned out that bouncers couldn't say no to cupcakes. (gasps) And that was what got us into the clubs. And they never asked for my ID, for the record. <laughs> oh, so, wow. So known yeah. as the cupcake ladies. Yeah, yeah, known as the cupcake ladies. I mean, um, I'd let you in for cupcakes, yeah. so it makes sense I, to me. Right. I yeah. mean, and they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. As as good as a 19, 20-year-old <laughs> can make cupcakes. If you're making it from a box. It's yeah, no, not, it was just, not a box. They were very... You, did, you yeah, even did homemade. homemade. Oh, like, they were. You did it with, like, Jesus excellence. They were baked with love. <laughs> The love of Christ was baked into them. So, yeah, it was great. And then... So tell me... So back up. Yeah. You go into the strip club for the first time. You've just bribed the bouncers with (laughs) cupcakes. What is that experience like for you, your very first time in there? It was a little scary. I'm not going to lie. As like a super naive Christian kid, like (laughs) it's not a place I've frequented. Right, right. um, Up to that point. And so I think it was intimidating. A lot of times like... You know, just going in, not, I think at first when you go into one of the, like a place like a strip club, it's really easy to just kind of be like, you have this us versus them personality Mm. going on where it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, they're on such a different, they're in such a different season than I've ever been in basically. But I think the longer you're in a strip club 
and you're you just meet women from all different walks of life you realize that like we're all women yep i love their high-heeled shoes mm-hmm. would i ever be able to wear them no <laughs> but i love them and it, yeah. i am so impressed by their dancing i will never have the core strength mm-hmm. to do what these girls do like right. i just won't yeah so starting to like build relationships with these women it just kind of felt like okay we are not so different you know yeah. there is plenty to connect on mm-hmm and so I think at first it can be really intimidating, but they're also so welcoming. I mean, like there have been plenty of times where we've walked into a club and expected to be kicked out or like maybe the girls don't talk to us or anything like that. How, but, and but, so. OK, I'm just trying to wrap my head around how you even get begin a conversation, because don't these women, they come out, do they do their routine and then they go backstage or do they sometimes? Come? Yeah. So how do you get a chance to even converse with them? So here in Travers. So my mom runs our Traverse City Outreach team which is great. They have been in serving the women at fantasies for seven years. It's been a long time, but they have a dressing room. And so my mom will go in there with the team and they'll just like decorate their dressing room. Like Mm. they've done little pumpkins for Halloween and Mm -hmm. they have cute little vases that they were able to put on the mirrors that they, you know, frequently bring new flowers in for and stuff like that. So we always come bringing something in Grand Rapids. Our clubs don't let us into the (laughs) dressing room Mm -hmm. so we sit with the customers which is probably a little bit more high profile it is and it's real disappointing (laughs) because the dressing room situation like it's it's so great like the lights are up like you don't i don't know you're just like conversing it's not Mm -hmm. a big deal will you see some things yes but like you know it's not going to be super it's less intimidating i think than sitting with customers and then being hit on all night yeah as the only females that walked into a strip club, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when are you going to dance? Or we have like men buy us lap dances or whatever. Jokes on them because they just bought like 20 minutes of their time. So the girls can just come sit and talk with us, <laughs> which is hilarious. I love it when they try to do yeah. that. But yeah, it's just, it's fun because we just bring stuff. Like um, we've done like chapsticks or we do nail polish or we do, you know, flowers or cupcakes. And what's the response from these women that see their room is decorated or there's cupcakes? They didn't have to sell their body for these items yeah just being give it to them like what is their response to that usually we have we're really welcomed by the girls so like in grand rapids we'll just sit with stuff on a table and then they just kind of cycle through our table and tell Mm -hmm. us their life stories i think a lot of times they're testing us like how much can you handle you know know? and, and that surprises me i guess because i just figured they would be turned off by you here are these christian girls think they're maybe they're super religious or they're yeah. more righteous but they seem really open i mean when that first night when you went into grand rapids as a 19 year old kid did you find that they were open with mm-hmm. you that just even that first night yeah mm-hmm. totally i would i will say i mean there will always be some of the women that just kind of brush us off, take a cupcake and leave. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like, right. I don't think our goal has ever been, let's go into a strip club and get every stripper out of every strip club. Mm-hmm. Like that's never been our goal. Mm-hmm. Our goal is first and foremost, we're there for the girls who feel unsafe in the sex industry. And our, we just realized that there's not a lot of resources for women coming out of the sex industry. Mm-hmm. And when they are leaving, you know, a trafficking situation or, a, a, you know, an abusive boyfriend or something like that, they're leaving an entire community of women that they have known. Mm-hmm. And so for us, the big, I guess, driving factor is we become that community for them, something that's safe, um, that can nice. kind of walk that long journey of healing with them. And so, yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, I'll give you just a little story example, if that's okay. We had a girl in grand rapids she came up to us we'd never met her before she goes i don't know why you guys are in here this is the safest club i've ever worked at 
Mm-hmm. And she just kept saying, like, I've worked in Miami. I've worked in Las Vegas. I've worked. I mean, she must have listed five cities. She's like, I don't know why you're here. And we were like, you know what? Yeah, we're just we have, you know, heard some stories of some sexual assault that's happened in this place. And we just want to be a safe resource for you. If you have any prayer needs, we're happy to pray for you, too. But, you know, don't feel like you have to sit here and share with us. Feel free to just take a cupcake, whatever mm-hmm. you want, you know. And she was like, OK, great. She walks away. We didn't realize that the manager was like right next to our table when she was saying all of this. And she comes back like 30 minutes later and she goes, actually, I'm being trafficked. Um, I have an abusive partner who sits outside in the parking lot to make sure that I don't leave. How can you get me out of here tonight? Oh, um, wow. So, I mean, we do have women like that, too, who are trying to put on a good show for management, trying to kind of act like they don't need us. And then eventually, you know, it comes out that that was all kind of a, a front. Yeah. And they're really grateful that we're there. So mm-hmm. it's crazy. Like the manager in Grand Rapids, he straight up one time. I, I, like, I feel like what we do, only the like grace of God and f- like, I hate using the word favor, but like you can see his hand in all of it. I mean, mm-hmm. there is no reason we should walk into a strip club with as many women who have walked away from the sex industry because of us being there. Yeah. <laughs> like there is no reason we should be welcomed with open arms. Yeah. Truly, there's not. Well, if you bring a cupcake. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like... The one in Grand Rapids, like, we're on a first name basis with the bartender and he has our Sprite ready for us when we walk in. Like, it's so, it's like, it's almost wow. ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I, like, there's no words But you wonder it. if the bartender in his mind is going, these girls shouldn't be here either. Yeah. You know be. what I mean? Totally. And yeah. he, he wants to make sure that you feel welcome. Yeah. I don't know. The manager just... doesn't, like, charge us a cover charge. When we go in, he, he's like, oh, I just love how you take care of our girls. And Aww. we're like great wow <laughs> i'm so glad that's how you view us right you know? <laughs> so so take me back take yeah. me back to that very first night you're going into the strip club you're meeting all these girls what sparked in you that night that you're like i'm gonna keep doing this man that was so long ago i think <laughs> i think just seeing like the the reactions to us was really i think encouraging because i think in my head i was imagining what you had said right mm-hmm. like you walk in and you're kind of like shunned like why are you here right um this isn't a place for you mm-hmm. but i think the cool part of i mean we prayed at the bar that first night with three survivors of sexual assault and i think it was in that moment that i was like you know we're all probably one bad decision away from a strip club let's be real i mean either mm-hmm. going in as a buyer or dancing like right all it, I mean, 92% of the girls that we work with have had some kind of sexual abuse before they even enter a strip club. Mm-hmm. So I think when you kind of view it as more than just dancing mm-hmm. or there's so many deep facets to <laughs> strip clubs that I think a lot of people just don't recognize. We kind of view it as like this, this dark space in our city, you mm-hmm. know, but I think God brings his light into those dark places and to be like a conduit of that is a really powerful thing. Mm-hmm. So you had that experience and then for what the next, because I do want to get into your business, but you're not profit. But so for the next 10 years, you're just going into strip clubs and how is it that you rescue these women? I mean, that woman that said, how can you help me? Yeah. What do you do in that situation? I I wouldn't even know the first thing. Yeah. We have spent a lot of years building a lot of community partners we are not a stop like one stop shop for like we're not a social services agency like that's yeah. not what we do and so a lot of it i mean at times i've wanted to be because obviously like you know you have one of those girls that comes up to you and you're like i just want to solve all of your problems right you know what i mean mm-hmm. 
which is really unrealistic. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of great organizations in both in Travers and in Grand Rapids who are doing incredible things with survivors and even survivors of like domestic violence. That's been really kind of a link that we didn't anticipate at the beginning. There's not a lot for trafficking survivors, but a lot of it is domestic violence. A lot of these girls have partners that are exploiting them in some way. And so we can kind of We've learned how to finagle around social services to get these women what they need. But basically what we come in as are mentors, like really we're just coming in there, one, providing spiritual direction, but two, also if they have tangible needs, we're kind of walking that long journey of healing with them in that way of just kind of going to appointments with them and calling on their behalf. We've noticed that when survivors call for housing specifically in Grand Rapids, they kind of get shunned and then they get on this long wait list and all this other stuff. But if I call saying that I'm from a very small organization, but they don't know that, (laughs) you know, and I've got this client, like for some reason they listen. Mm. And so really, I mean, I think we started to just see ourselves as like picking up that community piece that they've lost when they exit a strip club and then walking that journey with them in a way that, you know, more supports them on like the tangible needs they have Mm -hmm. without having to actually provide all of the services. We're just kind of there to. You're the advocate. Advocate. Yeah. Yeah. You're the advocate. So are they in a sense just being discriminated against because. I would say so. Yeah. They're strip club workers. Yeah. Kind of. Okay. And they don't know what they're doing because they've never had to apply for housing before. Mm. And then it just gets really ridiculous and hairy on who gets no, what. No, and back up a second. They're applying for housing. Are they trying to get out of a domestic situation? Mm-hmm. And that's why that. So, yeah. So they, they have that nothing. Sounds, they have nothing. Yeah. And yeah. Why? They have no identification because most of the time their partners have taken that from them. So we have to like oh, wow. get them through this, you know, social mm-hmm. security and all this other stuff and make sure they have a social security card. And some of them have never had a birth certificate. I remember that being a huge thing one year. I don't know. I don't know how many times I went to the social security office with survivors, but it seemed like none of them had any form of identification. They can't get a job. You know, they, they can't like they don't have a driver's license or just basic stuff that you don't think the average person should have this stuff and they don't. And so I think that that's true. We've just been advocates for these women as they exit the sex industry so that they can navigate social services in a way that's helpful. And do they feel as though they can exit the sex industry? Because really you've built that relationship with them. They say, okay, here's a safe person that can help me get out. Is that yeah. really it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's been pretty common, I would say. No, I I think that's good to point out because... I think we can often, as Christians, think we have to do these grandiose, big, huge things for Jesus when something as simple as, I'm just going to build a relationship with you, is huge. Yeah. You know, know. you're not their project. Too, with like strip clubs, because that can feel like a big thing. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, we go into strip clubs, you know, which is, it can either be taken like one of two ways in the Christian community, right? Like, ew, gross, or. Wow, that's amazing, you know? Yeah. So yeah. kind of depends on who you're talking to. Yeah, I think that's the thing too, not to get like super theological here, but you know. Go do it. I hear you. <laughs> I want it. Well, you know, I'm just thinking like Caesarea Philippi in the day of Jesus would have been like the red light district. Mm-hmm. And like that's where he tells Peter that's where he's going to build his church. Like yeah. that's the rock on which he builds his church in. So it just doesn't make any sense to me why the church kind of like... <laughs> decides to kind of push away from the issue of, you know, prostitution or like that's kind of a messy issue. Mm -hmm. I think trafficking is taken 
a lot of people have gotten on board with this issue, which is phenomenal. Right. But I still think that going into dark places can be kind of intimidating for the average Christian when in reality, I think, isn't that kind of what we've been That's what we're supposed to, to be do? doing. <laughs> right. Know? We can't stay in so, our bubbles. And no. what's the saying that if you want to reach the sheep, you got to smell like sheep. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You got to smell like them. You got to get with them. Yes. And that's exactly what Jesus did. You're doing exactly what Jesus did. Okay. Yep. So let's talk about Freedom Summit Adventures. Perfect. This has been kind of a long process. It really started with you going into the strip clubs. Yeah. But then you started to marry just your love of the outdoors with rescuing sexually exploited victims. Yeah. How in the world do you do that? It's beautiful. <laughs> cupcakes do do- to kayaking. <laughs> yeah, cupcakes I don't know to kayaking. what happened. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> that needs to be your YouTube channel. <laughs> cupcakes to kayaking. Got it. I'll get right on that. Um, but yeah, so when COVID hit, I guess I should back up. So uh, we were hosting like just day retreats basically and like outdoor events for women all throughout our time doing outreach because we wanted to build relationships outside of bright lights and loud music of a strip club. And so a lot of them are single moms and they would bring their kids to the beach. Some of them had never seen Lake Michigan before. And so it was a big deal for us to, you know, bring them out to Holland for 30 minutes or, you know, like a 30 minute drive or whatever from Grand Rapids and then show them something beautiful for a day and have them kayak with us or paddleboard with us or just hike. We do snowshoeing in the winter. And so um, between our, we had a Grand Rapids outreach team. We had a Traverse, we have a Traverse City outreach team and then we have a Cadillac outreach team as well. And so we've kind of got 131 covered with uh, <laughs> strip clubs, which is great. But yeah, we all did our own individual events for years. And then when COVID hit, strip clubs closed and illicit massage parlors closed. And so we were like, okay, outreach is taking a a little bit of a new turn here. Um, but we realized that we had reached out to like about 350 women over the course of seven years. And so we all just kind of looked at each other like we could keep doing outreach and just kind of see where this leads or we can just dive deeper with the relationships that we've already made Mm. and just kind of felt like God was moving us away from the season, at least in Grand Rapids of strip club outreach, which to be honest, I was really thankful for. It got kind of, you know, exhausting, kind of just constantly reaching out to new women and not knowing when we were going to see them again and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it was a long seven years. And then Felt like we just needed a break and COVID was that break. And so we started doing weekend getaways for survivors that kind of elevated our typical day retreats into something bigger. And so these are three day like weekend getaways that we host for survivors from any of our three cities. We usually host them up here because it's prettier than anything we have downstate. (laughs) Don't tell the fellow Grand Rapidians. We know this, but, though. Yeah, in Traverse you City, know it. We know this. <laughs> it's not new news. Yes. But yeah, so basically we just, we do one outdoor excursion. We hike with them or paddleboard or snowshoe, depending on the time of year, basically to just kind of prove that we can do hard things and it's more mm. fun to heal within a supportive community of women. And so basically we do the one outdoor excursion. We do art therapy. We have a nutrition component throughout the entire weekend. So they're eating healthy meals that are easy alternatives. A lot of the women that we've met in the clubs are just kind of like grabbing whatever's convenient and don't realize how red 40 might be impacting their mental health, you know? And so that's a component that we've had to address at our retreats and it's been really life-giving. But we do trauma-informed coping mechanisms like trauma-informed yoga. We did facials at our last one in November. So we just have a good old time. And the whole weekend we talk about identity and self-worth, who you are, 
whose you are Mm -hmm. and why that matters. And so basically they're getting the spiritual aspect, but they're also just kind of learning. Like, honestly, I would just call it spiritual disciplines too. Like Mm -hmm. what are some practical things when you feel like God is silent or, you know, when you feel like trauma is rearing its ugly head, like what are some practical tools that you can leave here with that'll help you on your healing journey? And so that that's kind of the core of our retreat. So we have one retreat here in Michigan and then we have day retreats that we still host in the spring and fall. And then in the summer, we're actually hoping to start doing out-of-state retreats for Michigan survivors so they can experience new national parks and summit mountains yeah. as that physical representation of those emotional and spiritual mountains they've been climbing. Well, if you ever go to Pikes Peak, hit me up. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I gotta come. Totally. That's, my, yeah. that's on my bucket list. <laughs> I okay, love it. So when you say survivors, so yeah. these are women that have been completely rescued out of sexual exploitation or may, are some of these women still in the strip clubs? Yes. I mean... So we don't put any parameter around it Mm -hmm. because we've had girls that are still in the clubs join us. But then we also have women who have been out of the clubs for several years and then come back to our retreats. We also don't put a cap on how many retreats you can join us for because we love connecting with the women that we serve and Mm -hmm. it's fun for us and we want them to feel like they have something to look forward to in the year too. Mm -hmm. And so what's been cool is to see the, the women who have been to one of our retreats in the past, left the sex industry, and now kind of come alongside us in this way of, you know, inviting friends to our retreats who are still in the industry. And then that becomes our first touch point with them. And it's just a cool experience to watch them start to mentor those younger girls who are still in the industry and kind of give them a sense of like, this is what your life could look like. We focus a lot on goal setting during our, our retreat too, of just kind of breaking down larger goals into smaller ones and letting them dream for the first time. You know, what do you want to do with your life and how can we help you get there? Um, how do these women respond? Have they, I mean, are they in shock that they could make goals for themselves totally. and that they can't, I mean, how do they respond to this idea that there's a God in heaven that loves them and this is what he says? It's hard. About- We've had one survivor join us for three retreats now. And every single retreat, she's in in tears like, I don't believe this. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no way that this is real. Right. And so that is a pretty common Mm -hmm. thing. But there's a lot we have to break down over the course of a weekend. Well, your brain has been wired for so many years. Right. And you have been beaten down. Yeah. How do you, I mean, that is a miracle of God to really kind of change your brain wiring to believe that, no, I am loved and I am valued and it has nothing to do with. I mean, that's something I started with and Mm -hmm. I have never worked in a strip club. Right. So that's, that's mainly what we do, our outdoor excursions and then bringing the gospel into those in a tangible way. And then we have mentorship, which Shayla is in charge of, basically just kind of inviting women who come to our day retreats or our weekend getaways to have another connection point with someone on a regular basis to hold them accountable on mm-hmm. the goals that they set at our retreats, mm-hmm. whether that's a spiritual goal, whether that's in, you know, like a job that they hope to get. Some of the girls are not clean when they come to us, either like substance wise. And so some of them are trying to get sober. Some of them are trying to wean off of certain substances. And so mentorship, we've got a lot of goals for that in the next year just kind of building up and ramping up that program. But it's been cool to see women of the community kind of wrap around these survivors and become, again, that community that they've been missing. So That's awesome. And then you got to pay for it somehow. Gotta you gotta pay, you gotta for, pay for these women. That's the worst part. <laughs> I, I just want to give them the world for free. Okay? Right, 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 right. But 
<laughs> where there's a problem, there's an opportunity. Totally. And you are trying to solve that problem with Freedom Paddle Company. So what is Freedom Paddle Company? So we were Freedom Paddle Company. And oh. now we're Freedom Summit Adventures. And oh, so okay. Freedom Paddle Co., we started during the pandemic. It was already taken when we became nonprofit. <laughs> so the IRS didn't let us keep that one. <laughs> bummer. Ouch. Yeah, it was a big bummer. But... It wasn't even a company that's operating anymore, so that was a bummer. <laughs> but it's fine. But I like Freedom Summit Adventures. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like we're that. more than just paddling yeah. anyway. But we used to rent out paddle boards to pay for our retreats. Mm. And then no amount of paddleboard rentals were ever going to pay for these retreats. Yeah. <laughs> so that's when we became nonprofit. We just became nonprofit in August, which was a really exciting, well, it was a long paper tw- trail yeah, that was world. not exciting. <laughs> and then it was exciting Yeah. <laughs> once we got the staff. So yeah, so yeah, we um, are a 501c3. So if I am listening today and I say, wow, this is something that I would like to pour into because not everybody can be a mentor. Yeah, not totally. everybody can go into the strip clubs and build these relationships with women. Yeah. But there are people that have the funds. So Absolutely. if they have the funds and would love to partner with you, how can they get a hold of you? How can they fund help fund you? Yeah. So um, our website is freedomsummitadventures.org. And we have a donate page on there. Mm-hmm. It costs between $900 and $1,000 to send one woman on one of our retreats. We actually have like a $75 a month mentor or um, sponsorship, basically. And we let you write a handwritten note to the survivor so that we can put it in her little welcome bag. Oh, very cool. And then, uh, yeah, and then we send you a little update on how the retreat went and a little gift from our, our summit adventure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I mean, we're always looking for like wish list items too. We've got some personal shoppers who love to, you know, pick up discounted items at Meyer when they're on sale, you know, and give them to us for outreach. But yeah, so like hiking socks are always on our wish list. Hiking poles are needed right now. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like basics. Um, we like to provide hiking boots for our survivors too. We had our very first retreat and didn't realize that one of our survivors was wearing ankle socks with these like huge boots. And we walked three and a half miles <gasps> and halfway through the hike she's like my ankles hurt so bad and I was like I wonder why right <laughs> and then we get back to the, the Airbnb and she is literally bleeding I mean oh, it was bad wow. and I was like I didn't even think to check socks but yes that would have been good to cover so now they don't <laughs> come on any of our retreats without really nice padded hiking socks <laughs> and um, the essentials hiking boots too if they don't have a pair of hiking boots we we do have hiking boots for them as well. So, okay. This is something that I should have talked about earlier because, okay, what you're doing is great, but why is it great? And you list on your website that 42% of traffic victims were brought into the sex industry by a family member. Isn't that insane? How the heck does that happen? Yeah. So I think the common misconception with trafficking is that it's all kidnapping And I feel like during COVID, a lot of stats came out, too, of like, Michigan's the worst. Everyone should be watching out for kidnappers that are going to traffic our kids. And yes, that happens. But Mm -hmm. also, it makes up less than 3% of trafficking cases. Mm -hmm. Trafficking in and of itself is basically just preying on a vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a very relational issue. So it's hard to quantify by any means. But as far as like, being trafficked by a family member. Here's a really, this is, this was a story that from one of our strip clubs, we had a woman there whose grandma was addicted to some kind of prescription medication. I don't know that we ever knew what it was. She needed to pay for this drug addiction, ended up dropping off her daughter or her granddaughter 
at the strip club Mm -hmm. to work, stayed in the parking lot the whole time to make sure she wouldn't leave and then would bring her home. And so I think that's the thing with trafficking too. There's like so many different components to it. It's, you know, it's substance abuse, it's homelessness, it's, you know, runaway youth. We see a lot of foster care and trafficking combined. That was actually one of the main reasons my husband and I got involved with foster care to begin with was seeing all of these girls exiting you know, aging out of the foster care system, having nowhere to go, being told they're pretty, they've experienced sexual abuse. I mean, obviously the next step is a strip club. Let's mm-hmm. be real. I right. mean, what other option does she have? We've given her no other option. Right. The The familial ties are pretty staggering, but yeah. And, and those to are read things about. you only hear about in India, right? Those, yeah, right? That's where you hear about human trafficking is, oh, the mom couldn't afford to feed her. So she's, we're putting her down the red light district. You don't think of that happening. It's not a TV here, but it might be drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and then you also state on your website that 39% of traffic victims are brought into the sex industry from either their significant, their significant other, their husband yeah. or boyfriend. <laughs> So common story that we hear, this has happened, I would say more than five times. Young girl in foster care runs away. She's probably 15, 16 years old, sometimes a little bit older, maybe 17, 18. And she meets this boy on possibly a dating app Um, Mm. like Hinge and Tinder have been kind of big for this. Mm -hmm. But basically... Meets this guy. He turns out to be real nice at first. Finds out, you know, she's homeless. Invites her to stay with him. And then eventually, you know, maybe two or three weeks after coming into his house, you know, he basically just kind of flips a little bit. And, well, you have to earn your keep somehow. Invites his friends over. That kind of thing. And then you have, like, this pimp relationship that Mm -hmm. kind of just materializes and preys on her vulnerability of not having a place to go. So not only is she homeless, but now she's got, now she's a victim of domestic violence because she feels like this boyfriend was her love. Maybe, maybe she fell for him and, you know, he manipulated her. Yeah. It's, it's more common than not, I would say. Mm-hmm. Now stuck in this bondage yeah, of totally needing a place to live. Yep. Well, and you've, in a sense, fallen in love with him. Oh, my gosh. Here's somebody who actually cares cares about me. Totally. He loves me. And if she was a virgin, she's given herself to him. So now there's that bond. Yep. I can't Mm -hmm. leave him. Right. After all of that. Yeah. And he's giving me a place to live. I I better. food. Yeah, exactly. Food's a great motivator. Totally. Mm -hmm. 94% of the women that you work with in the clubs have had some sort of sexual abuse before they enter the club. That's. That's a huge number. Yeah. 94%. Totally. Now, are you, you're talking about molestation, rape, all, yep. all the things? All the things. Okay. Yep. And then just because of the fact of they've been beaten down so much that they just don't see their worth in anything else. And so that's just kind of where they turn. I think so. I mean, it's hard to say for all of them, but I would say a majority, you know, if somebody can take something so sacred for so many years for free. Mm-hmm. then you might as well get paid for it. Mm. I think that's kind of what the mentality becomes. That's what we've been told by a few of the girls. Like, this is who I am. And then you have like, you know, a small percentage that really love to dance. Yeah. I'm like, what's that other 6% then? That's yeah. what I'm wondering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of grooming takes place to, before they even mm-hmm. enter a strip club. We have amateur night every Sunday at one of our clubs in Grand Rapids. It's a club that employs 50 women. And like brings on new girls every Sunday. And those girls 
constantly are looking for like pretty girls that work in areas around there. So like we had one one woman who was working at like just the Shell gas station that was next door and two dancers came in and just said, hey, you're really pretty. You should come and audition. And so there's a lot of push from management of at least our Grand Rapids Club of, hey, you need to go recruit other Mm -hmm. young women. And so I think, again, that like sense of belonging, like, wow, they think I'm pretty. Wow, they care. Right. Like, well, and I'm trying to think of that six percent, too. Is it this idea? Because, you know, because you've been in the clubs, you know the nitty gritty, you know what the trenches look like because of social media and television and movies. Have we glamorized oh, s- strip 100%. clubs? So those 6% is going, oh, well, right. I, I, if I, it'll make me feel beautiful. Men will want me. You know, no, they may not have a past yeah. to speak of, totally. but it's glamorized. To be honest, the 6% there is probably the easiest to get out of a strip club because it's not what they imagined. Mm. And so when we come in and we're like, hey, do you need anything? Are you, do you feel safe in the sex industry? I feel like to some extent that 6% shows up like in a far greater droves than the 94. And so I think the the history of sexual abuse kind of, you know, that, that beat down self-esteem is so different than the girls who think that this is just going to be like a really glamorous job and then they get raped in mm. the clubs or mm-hmm. in one of the back rooms, even though it's a no-touch club and no one regulates these things. And it just feels like they were expecting something so different and then got sexual assault out of the stri- out of the sex industry and then still have experienced you know sexual assault and then it's not at all what they imagine it to be. So yeah, I think the glamorization trips up a lot of women and then they find themselves in these situations and then so you're working right now with how to rescue how to help you're being proactive now how can those of us listening work with preventing human trafficking Mm -hmm. because we've i mean we can't just what you're doing is fantastic but we also need to be working at preventative ministry what does that look like great question rachel i would say not to beat a dead horse, foster care <laughs> um, would be a huge one. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of young girls who are, or even boys, like, come on, like, how do you treat women? Like, yeah. I think that's a ginormous part of it, too. Like, this is not okay. I think mm-hmm. not normalizing this over-sexualized culture, even with our own kids, right? biological kids, I think is really important. With foster care, you've got a lot of at-risk youth that have potentially nowhere to go. And I think we're all scared of teenagers and older kids, but like those ones that need us the most, you know? And so that is huge. I think mentoring, if foster care is not an option, if you don't have biological kids, I mean, if you're plugged into any church, truly, I mean, I feel like there are probably a multitude of ways to get on board with mentoring Mm -hmm. in some capacity, younger women, bringing up that next generation, discipling them the way that we should be, I feel Mm -hmm. like would be, astronomical in its effects being willing to just kind of sit in the hard with people I think is also really huge instead of shying away from it just sitting well we don't want to do hard things nowadays no and we don't want anything long term Mm -hmm. yes that's the other true we don't want to have that mentorship is long Mm -hmm. relationship is long it is hard and it's hard Mm -hmm. and messy yeah and we need to be willing to do it as the church because I think that's the exact role that we're following with Jesus Mm -hmm. I mean (laughs) He didn't just give up when things got hard or when it became inconvenient for him or, 
you know, it took away from his son's soccer game. <laughs> you know, like I'm not to point anything out in particular, but like, I don't know. I think if our main goal is to follow Jesus, I think moving in that direction toward mentorship and discipleship is huge and absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think m- mentorship also gets, you know, this idea that you, you have to be all things to somebody or solve all their problems or have Mm -hmm. all the answers. And I think that's the biggest one right there. I have to have all the answers when really you don't. You don't have to have any of the answers. I mean, we have Google nowadays. You need to look up a resource (laughs) for them. Well, and we feel that our lives have to be put together. I have Mm -hmm. to, I can't invite anybody over to my house because it doesn't look like HGTV. Yeah, right. right. I'm not this great cook. And when really, maybe just somebody just wants to come and sit on your couch and Mm -hmm. chat, even if it's over store-bought muffins mm-hmm. right people you know, are looking people for a relationship mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> right yeah. yeah and because we are so surrounded with social media it's like we are so connected but at the same time we're so disconnected, disconnected. we're connected in a way of just really comparing ourselves to one yep. another versus just mm-hmm. getting down to the nitty-gritty yeah okay so i'm going to ask you this question okay and it's on the topic but it's off the topic and we were talking earlier about just this empowerment of women and that's really what you're doing is you're trying to empower women to be who God created them to be totally freedom in Christ yeah having that freedom in Christ and not have to exploit their bodies in order just to get fed so there's this and when I say new I want to say it's probably been around for about 10 years now more Women who grew up maybe upper middle class, they didn't grow up with the sexual abuse. They've had really good lives. They're trying to go to graduate school. And the trend is I'm going to go online and I'm going to auction off my virginity in order to pay for school. And they these women see it as empowerment because they're choosing to do so. But you and I both know that it's exploitation. You and I both know that it's still prostitution. As someone who works with women who are in the trenches of real sexual exploitation, what do you say to that when you hear something like that? Well, why is education so expensive? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, it's a common thread for sure. Women paying for their education by stripping. I mean, we see that all the time in the strip clubs. And so, I mean... Though I had not heard about this before today, it is not shocking to mm-hmm. me that this happens. But it is, I think, not knowing where our our worth comes from, mm-hmm. I think gives us a false sense of empowerment. And while it may feel like she's in control, mm-hmm. I mean, we're all longing for that control, even right. though it leaves us pretty exhausted most of the time. Mm-hmm. I think she's in control of losing her virginity. And I think that probably feels like empowerment if you don't know where your worth comes from. Mm-hmm. But we know as followers of Christ that, you know, that is not at all empowerment. Yeah, that's a tough one. Well, and I and I think, too, it goes back to that idea of glamorizing it. Mm-hmm. That's it's almost something that you would see in a Hollywood movie and it would made up pretty be woman. made out to be beautiful. Like what? <laughs> pretty, pretty woman. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> When we think of prostitution, that's kind of what we think and that Richard Gere is going to come and rescue us off the streets and it's all going to be, it's all going to work out at the end. That's because that's how every movie works. It's a fairy tale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's not, it's not real life. That's not real life. Yeah. Is there anything else? Well, first of all, 
I can find you on Facebook, Instagram, so Freedom Summit Adventures. Yep. That's where, and I will put all of that in the show notes as well. And Perfect. of course, Thank your you. website, freedomsummitadventures.org, especially if you would like to go and donate, pay for some of these women who have absolutely nothing but to be able to get out and experience really Jesus in nature because nature mm-hmm. is it's healing. It is. What What was one of the things that God first created for human beings? It was the Garden of Eden. God created Adam out of the dust. Then he placed him right in the Garden totally. of Eden. And then women were created in the Garden. Yeah. Women were meant to be around nature and beauty. And that's exactly what you're doing. Totally. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we end today? No, I don't think so. Thank you so much for having us. Yes. Thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for using, you you know, just what you love to do and your gifts and talents to help empower women. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Recon Purpose Podcast. And thank you to Britt for sharing how she is changing the world by bringing victory to sexploited women. I'll have all of her information on how you can support that ministry in the show notes. Unique on Purpose is available on iTunes as well as Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I will see you next time.